I rang her phone. Yes. And it clicked through <clears throat> onto her voicemail, so I heard her voice. Yes. And I was, it, it was just like I jumped. She's, she's picked up her voicemails, Bob, she's alive! And I was mm. just, it, it was then, really. A heartfelt testimony at the Leveson inquiry. The Dowler family described the awful effect that phone hacking had on the search for their daughter. We'll be talking to Eleanor Mills, the associate editor of the Sunday Times. Also on this week's programme. It's very important, I think, that people understand that this strike is, is, is irresponsible and wrong. And there's no case for a strike action right now because we're in the middle of these talks. There's no case for it too because... The, the, the impact of that strike will be felt across the economy at large at a time when we should all be pulling together. Public sector workers will strike on Wednesday, closing schools and universities and cancelling operations and flights in opposition to the government's proposed pension reforms. We'll be discussing this and the week's other news with Freya Pascal. Last week, victims of phone hacking and malpractice of the press lined up to give evidence to the Leveson inquiry. All of this apparent press baiting by celebrities cannot be good news for print journalists. Stricter press regulation could, on the one hand, protect the privacy of some individuals, but could lead to big scoops of public interest not being scooped. This is all made worse by the possibility of finding further evidence of illegal practices at other newspapers, with the Daily Mirror, the Mail on Sunday and even the Sunday Times in the firing line. Well, joining me now in the studio is Eleanor Mills, columnist and associate editor of the Sunday Times. Um, Jules Stenson, the former News of the World features editor, criticised the Leveson Inquiry um, for having too many celebrities, too many darlings of Hello magazine, as he, as he put it, um, and not, not enough cases like the Dowlers. Do you think that's a problem? Well, I think that the it's inevitable that you're going to have quite a few celebrities there because... Um, they were the kind of some of the main tranche of people who were being targeted in such a way by the tabloids. I think what's interesting is that the public kind of reckoned that the celebrities kind of had it coming. Um, there was a good definition of celebrity last week, which was people who sell aspects of their privacy for kind of fame and fortune. But then you have, okay, you can <coughs> have people, um, you have people like that, sort of like Cheryl Gascoigne was a person he used as someone who um, openly courts the press and then complains when it sort of seems to go wrong for her. But people like J.K. Rowling with having the press and photographing her children when she's not at all someone who sort of courts the public eye. Well, J.K. Rowling, I, I have some sympathy with. It's, of course, it's horrid when the press kind of intrude on your children. But then she has made, you know, millions and millions and millions out of selling her books, which has made her a public figure. She appears at the premieres of all the films, kind of courting But it's not that because kind of she's, she's got a production role, though, in terms of the films, not yeah, a Yeah, she's got a production celebrity. role, but she's also um, used, very much traded on her life story as a kind of single mother sitting in cafes, you know, kind of weeping, writing Harry Potter. So I think there is a bit of bit with celebrities where they kind of want to have their cake and eat it if i may point up you know ex exhibit a and this is steve coogan who actually said i heard him on radio 4 that while it was fine for him to invade his own privacy by writing an autobiography it was not okay for the tabloids or for the newspapers to write about his private life unless he sanctioned it and i think that we do get into quite deep waters here where celebrities do trade on their kind of personal lives for money to sell books to sell autobiographies and therefore you know it has to be allowed for newspapers to point out where they are perhaps being hypocritical but or is overstep that, the mark but is there not a line though where it goes into illegalities of, of oh these i'm practices? absolutely not sanctioning breaking the law in any way and i think as ian hislop pointed out very well on uh, have i got news for you last mm. night he said you know that a lot of the things that were being done by the news of the world were illegal the police did not investigate them 
partly because they were in the pay of the news of the world and all of that is amazingly dodgy and corrupt and has got to be you know really kind of fished out and part of what Leveson is um, examining is a failure to really kind of enforce the law on these on these tabloids which were out of who were out of control and no decent journalist would dispute that so you're not looking for um, well you wouldn't want to see and you, I'm guessing you'd, you'd disagree with any more regulation of the press um, well, seeing that technically this was illegal it shouldn't have happened well it was illegal and it shouldn't have happened and if the law had been properly enforced then it could have been stopped a lot earlier on i totally take that i think that there probably is a case for tougher uh, regulation of the press i think the pcc has definitely been shown to be completely toothless and pretty damn hopeless and a lot of people who work in newspapers are aware that you know things have to change some of the things which have been discussed are if you're doing an investigation which has been the public interest but it will involve breaking the law say the kind of thing that Maza Mahmood has done or you know or actually the news of the world to be fair to them when they investigated the cricket um, scandal I mean I don't think anyone doubts that that was in the in the public interest to expose that kind of corruption of the whole nature of sport and of course you had to break the law in order to do that but what one of the things Leveson's suggesting kind of on the quiet is that newspapers might have to go to a body and say well we're planning to do this investigation we have reasons to believe this for these reasons we're going to do this kind of sting to try and stand it up is that okay? Mm. And I, I would, I think that that is, that is fair enough. But, but I also think that newspaper editors are very experienced and paid a lot to make those kind of decisions. So there's also a kind of strange hinterland on where those decisions will lie in the future. And so is that what you think will come out of this inquiry? Some sort of um, body above journalists where, um, so like you say, if they have a kind of contentious story that they well, think, is this is this legal, but it's public interest, but... Um, surely that, that you will might slow. Every, but surely that will slow everything down. Well, I think that what 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 Levison and I've actually just you know we've we've ha- all had discussions with him about this because he's he's very fair. I think what we're hearing at the moment is very emotive because it's from people like the Dowlers and, and the McCanns, which are the most ghastly cases, and everyone cringes when they hear them. Journalists particularly. But I think that what we need to establish is not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The reason why Levison is there is because people have investigated all of these things. It's not the police. It's not. Um, it's not the kind of the law. It's not celebrities who have brought this into court. It's journalism. So we need to we need to have a very strong and free press, which is free to investigate. And let's not forget that news is what somewhere someone someone somewhere doesn't want you to know and you don't winkle out stories by sitting there kind of taking press releases and saying you know oh yes lovely we believe you you have to kind of go and you know fight it out and it's often quite tough and it's often the rich who can afford to gag newspapers it's what happens in france with their privacy law so you don't you really don't get a you where you get something like dsk dominic strauss khan where everyone knew that he was running around abusing women and nobody did anything about it because of the privacy laws so we had to be very careful what we wish for of course this has gone horribly wrong there have been awful abuses by the tabloids and I think that there is a better system to regulate it but we don't want to over regulate it to such a point that journalists are not free to do their job anymore so but is there going to be a problem in terms of much like um, it's quite an abstract parallel to draw but sort of much like we had the banking crisis and now the word banker is used as a sort of term of derision do you (laughs) think now journalists with the phone hacking are going to have this sort of um, CD image attached them of them rifling through bins and tapping phones and things like well, that. Well, I think I think journalists have always had a slightly CD image. I don't think we've ever been kind of up there as those who are whiter than white. The very nature of the journalistic trade is to kind of squirrel around and things that people don't really want you to know about. But no, I think that you know M- MPs haven't come out white and white after their own expenses scandal. 
I think that people know that some tabloid journalists massively overstep the mark in a really gruesome and grotesque way, but that there are also good journalists working for serious newspapers, trying to do proper investigations, and that that has to be understood by the public and supported. And I think to, to I think people out there are actually very intelligent and sensible about what oversteps the limit, what they do want to see, and which is a kind of bedrock of democracy. And it's very important not to get to the two tangled up. And actually, I'm very encouraged by Levison. I think he's a very uh, able and sensible judge who will sift through the emotiveness. Judges are used to sitting there listening to very emotive stuff and then coming out and thinking a kind of sensible line through it. So I think we're all pretty confident that that will happen. Mm. But it's a very uncomfortable time to be a journalist. I work for News International, so you know we're all very aware of the cloud which hangs over us. But mm. all we can say is there are we're not all like that. You know there are some good people out there trying to do good things, and you know, we need to be given the space and the opportunities to do that. Um, one of the re- recurring points that has come out of the inquiry is this um, sense that someone's, I can't remember who it was, but there was a quote where they said it was like a tree with roots underground and slowly people were digging up and seeing that it wasn't just the news of the world, it's sort of spreading out to other other titles. Um, Hugh Grant alleged that the Mail on Sunday hacked his phone <laughs> to get keep that. saying alleged, although alleged, <laughs> yeah. alleged, um, alleged that they hacked his phone to get that um, plummy voiced um, woman story in 2007. <laughs> but... Um, do you think where are one things that we don't hear we hear mail on sunday we hear news of the world you hear D- daily mirror where are the hello magazines and okay magazines things like this because surely well, if the, the news ex- of the world were up to that they must have been well the allegedly ex- the express had to pay five hundred thousand pounds in damages to the mccanns i mean that is the real kind of one of the real elephants but in surely the that, room that was here. justified in what they wrote oh i totally think mm. that what the express wrote was appalling you know we've mm. got someone from the daily star who's going to come up and said he was regularly paid extra for making up stories i mean no no one who is a proper journalist and i like to think of myself as a proper journalist is going to condone that kind of behavior i think it's irresponsible it's wrong it's really evil to the people who are involved it's terrible for the kind of civilians who are caught up in all of this and you know no one's condoning that kind of behavior at all but at this and and of course that does spread outside and you know the news of the world were caught on the job glenn Malker was a private detective who wrote down exactly who'd commissioned him to do things i believe that in those notes are not just the news of the world but the sunday mirror as well I mean, certainly in Fleet Street, rumours rife that all the other tabloids were at it. I think that some of the other titles have kind of stopped doing it in the last seven years because they realised that the noose was tightening. But I think the idea that this was just the rogue news of the world and they're mm. the evil evil but, ones is, is ridiculous, but, really. But crucially, one of the things that is missing from the press, what I was trying to get at, is that titles like Hello Magazine, OK Magazine, from... Um, sort of the Richard Desmond end of the scale, these titles, we're not hearing anything that they're doing anything like that. Do you think that they possibly will be implicated in that kind of behavior if the um, news of the world was I, to be completely honest with you i haven't really heard much about H- hello and okay they tend to act in a different kind of a way in that their kind of op- modus operandi is very clear up front they go hmm. here you go here's an extremely large sum of money can we invade your privacy for this large dosh so you hmm. know you will eat chocolate wrap- particular chocolate bars at your wedding or we will be there photographing you all day i mean personally i can't think of anything worse than having richard desmond's people poking around my wedding day and you couldn't pay me enough money for that to be worthwhile but you know that's that that's a kind of personal choice and when i talk about celebrities trading you know fame and access for money that's exactly what we're talking about but i think that i think allowing people to invade your privacy for huge amounts of dosh is slightly different from somebody hacking your phone which you're not not aware of or you know people writing utter lies about your dead child which is what happened with the McCann. so i think mm. th- and, and i haven't heard anything on the kind of fleet street grapevine 
that that the hello and okay are implicated in in the kind of underhandness that we've seen hmm. um this week we've got um, obviously more evidence being given at the Leveson inquiry um looking at the people who are going to be giving evidence um do you see anything that could be more revelatory or um, anything more interesting sort of we've got people like charlotte church and chris jeffries who's um, accused of by some of the papers of murdering joanna yates before the investigation had gone through um do you think this is just again the same kind of people coming through is there anything alistair campbell perhaps well, alistair campbell's gonna be quite interesting It'll be interesting to see what he's gonna say about what happened you know number 10 when he was there i noticed that some it was some of his submissions have been uh, leaked online today mm. and levison's very cross about that says that the confidentiality of the inquiry has to be respected chris jeffries i mean that was obviously horrendous and again that's that's tabloids kind of jumping you know jumping the gun and deciding somebody's guilty before they've even had a chance just because they look a bit weird but that wasn't anything that you can that's not nothing you can legislate well, there are, against there are it? laws against that because they actually prejudiced they were they were prejudicing the trial because he hadn't no one would be he hadn't been charged and if he had been charged with anything the fact that the newspapers had said so much about it might well have had a, a, a negative influence on any mm. subsequent trials so there are quite I think it's important to remember there are quite strong laws in this area if once somebody's charged you can't write anything about it at all except for the fact that they've been charged and there are we're very much cautioned by our lawyers if something is if someone's about to be charged that we have to be very careful about what we write so i think this idea at the moment that journalism is a kind of you know a wild west completely unregulated is rubbish i mean not only are there are there very strong laws in, t in terms of the law in terms of prejudice and but that surely kind of if thing. these were powerful this wouldn't have happened well they are they are actually really really powerful people reading the press won't know it but as soon as somebody's charged we all get a note from the lawyers saying you can't write about this anymore i mean there, there's all sorts of regulation going on behind the scenes which which people don't see the pcc also will send around a note saying you know if a child has died or something like that that the family don't want publicity and you can't go and knock on the door and and people don't and i ran the news review section of the sunday times for 10 years and we were very careful if we had a note saying that somebody wanted privacy they didn't want to be interrupted not to not to go there so but i think to tarnish the whole press with the way that the tabloids behave is 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 really unfair but then you have got people at the edges of that like you said that if you get a note about a child's died you don't do it surely that's down to some kind of in a moral decency inside you sort well, of what's to stop other you, people no, going like, now no no well you'd like to think that i mean if the pcc is actually sent that's the press complaints commission sends around a note saying the family have specifically asked for no journalist to appear at the door i think if you then went along and did that that would be really remiss and i would never have sanctioned anyone who worked for me doing that um but the the news you know the the tabloids have different kind of standards i mean they would often have say two or three reporters on the same story um competing against each other to try and get better lines I and mean, it's a very different kind of world and of course then they were competing against the internet as well to try and have the kind of latest scandal on celebrities and yeah, i think the whole thing got completely out of control mm. um in the end at the end of this inquiry when everything's finished report published do you think there's light at the end of the tunnel for readers and journalists alike do you think this will be able to be neatly packaged away and kind of we're done with that well we life? well we wish i think the problem is this is going to go on for a really long time we've got about a year of leveson at present i think the criminal trials for the news of the world cases don't even begin till 2013 hmm. so you know that's a long way off and then we know we may have a couple of years of criminal trials and then the next bit of leveson of which looks at the whole kind of you know the press and everything in in a broader way is meant to begin again so i'm afraid it's going to be a jolly long time before all of this is over and i think that things have already changed within the way newspapers operate i think everyone's very you know kind of worried about how things appear uh, certainly in terms of investigation things have been really tightened up but I, I also think it's worth remembering that 
lots and you know, millions of people in the UK bought the news of the world. I mean, th th there's a sense that this is all kind of happening in a vacuum and all oh, these newspapers being so nasty about these celebrities. But, you know, millions of UK punters went mm. out and bought that newspaper every week. And they must have known that, you know, they knew they were reading salacious stuff about people that they wouldn't want in the papers. So they're also culpable to some extent. Mm. And say. is it not the same people who are who were lapping up um, these kind of sensationalist stories about celebrities that are now lapping up the sensationalist stories about what was actually happening at the paper? Yeah, of course. Kind of vicious yeah, I mean, it's, it's a kind of vicious circle. And I think that anyone who's kind of sitting there going, oh, it's terrible what these journalists have done, which, you know, I do really agree with to a certain extent, should also think, well, hang on, how many times did I buy the news of the world and pour over that stuff going, oh, we never, you know, we, the, there's a kind of prurient bit in many of us which the newspapers feed. And it is a kind of, you know, it's a cycle. So I think before, you know, w running to judge deeply grotty, seedy, awful, ghastly journalists, it's worth kind of just thinking how often maybe you bought the news of the world and had a good giggle about it on a Sunday. And um, in today's private eye, uh, well, in this week's private eye, there's a um, piece about Wendy Deng, Rupert Murdoch's wife, and how the Sunday type, Sunday Times and the Times, maybe just the Times, I'm not sure, um, covered her new film, that, which she is a producer of, and that other papers, if they mentioned it, gave it a horrible, scathing review. Is there any sense being an employee of News International that there are any editorial d directives from above any kind of oh don't go there this is the way we're going anything like that well I'm really happy to talk about that because um, I've worked for Rupert Murdoch since 1998 I can hear you all saying out there um, but actually on Wendy Deng the I would say the slimiest interview about her film was in the Saturday Guardian I would point you to it a couple of weeks ago where they interviewed her in um, in LA about her movie and it was all about how brilliant her right hook was and ooh, wasn't she lovely and her saying oh she's had lots of offers from the Chinese government to kind of go and work as a bodyguard and that was the first piece that was the first interview that she'd ever done so that was in the Guardian chaps not in the Times or the Sunday Times the Sunday Times haven't touched it at all as far as I'm aware and I hadn't seen anything in the Times and to be fair as, an, as a Murdoch editor which I was I edited the news review section of the Sunday Times for 10 years um, I have never, ever been told to write something in a particular way or run something in a particular way. Even in election time, not a vague kind of, we're going conservative this no, year. Not, no, absolutely not. I mean, the whole point about the Times and the Sunday Times is we have an editorial board which is um, which has independent... Uh, which James Murdoch was on until recently. Uh, I think he was on, but it has the it has the editors on it and it has a whole load of um, official, uh, of, of kind of other officials, kind of, you know, members of the Great and Good, who were there to guarantee its editorial independence, and particularly during all this stuff about you know, the news of the world, etc. That board's been uh, that board's been very crucial. And the whole point about the Times and the Sunday Times is they don't stand for anything if people don't believe in the credibility of their of their editorial. And if you look at the sheer calibre of the people who write for it, um, you know, if you look at the Times, uh, people like Matthew Paris, uh, Libby Purvis, uh, Kate Muir. Um, some really, you know, fantastic William Rees Moggs and people whose integrity can really not be impeached in any way. Dominic Lawson, Martin Ivans. But then, what do you Andrew say about Sullivan, one of America's most famous commentators? I think you, you, there's no way. And having run them as an editor for ten years, there's no way you can tell those kind of people what to write. They write without, you know, without without any favour or and with freedom to say exactly what they want to say. So, would you say things like when, um, say, a big revelation comes up about phone hacking or malpractice of the press at the News of the World? first thing people comment uh, comment on is oh look 
there's nothing in the sun on that there's nothing in the times on that or well, things I, like that i think you're wrong i think if you look at the times or you look at the sunday times we had a big piece this weekend about leveson which was you know quite critical and quite kind of mea culpa about journalism the times has also been very straight in its coverage in fact over the the whole kind of business of phone hacking it was it was pretty robust i think if you really go back and have a look at it and it's really it's very important to me as a sunday times journalist and i was also the saturday editor on the times that we had that those papers have an integrity that they stand for something that people trust their editorial values and what what they think and what they believe and that they when they read it they believe that they're getting a quality product because otherwise those brands mean nothing so actually as an editor there it's very important that we do take an independent stance and that we are free to say what we like and i think it's important that people out there know that eleanor mills thank you very much well, I'm now joined by Freya Pascal, who is a King's College London student and general radio time waster. <laughs> um, we just heard uh, Eleanor Mills from the Sunday Times talking about how students um, see this kind of thing. Well, she, she did hone in on students specifically, but she said conspiracy theorists as a whole, of which students are a part of that, um, see this big conspiracy theory of the Murdoch press, phone hacking, things like that. Um, I wonder if you could just tell me what is your perspective on that? How do you see the things that are going on just down the road, actually, the Leveson Inquiry? Well, I think it's, it's very easy to generalise about sort of young people and students liking conspiracy theories because, I don't know, we're all up for a bit of a laugh about these kind of things and I think maybe students, more than other people, go through the kind of stage of being a little bit more radical than they might have been uh, at other times in their life or might, might well be in the future. So I think that com can come from there, but I do think the population as a whole in Britain tend to quite like conspiracy theories. I think, if we're honest, they're quite fun to play about with if you're not actually um, inextricably linked into these stories as mm. uh, someone such as an editor on The Times or anywhere in, anywhere in the journalistic world in Britain is at the moment. But um, she said she was trying to um, she was trying to heavily refute the um, the belief that Murdoch Press, Sunday Times, Times, News of the World, um, etc., The Sun, um, under Rupert Murdoch, therefore they have direct editorial um, leadership in there. And she was trying to make the point about um, the fact that they have their own independent editorial board. And she said repeatedly, I have never had anyone um, say to me, you cannot write that, you must write this, you must take this line, you can't take that line. But do you think generally that people think the opposite to that? Do they think that Murdochs generally do have a their sort of influence I think that. after after what's come out and particularly after um, James and Rupert Murdoch went the first time in front of the parliamentary select committee um, I think people really did feel like there was some kind of top-down control that uh, Rupert Murdoch was um, particularly dictating the news agenda um, after everything came out about his sort of going in through the back door of 10 Downing Street and everything like that. It really felt like he was manipulating everything. Um, and I can understand how that must be infuriating for some of these uh, editors and people like that, because um, I'm sure, as with anything, there's a huge there's a huge different amount of control that goes on. And I know Rupert Murdoch is slightly different to other media tycoons, because, as a lot of people have said, it was his hobby. Um, he did... Well, this is why a lot of people said it was so shocking that he supposedly didn't know anything. Because out of purely out of interest, out of hours, he would phone up his editors and say, what's going on? Um, but surely that's just him keeping on top of things. Just wondering yeah, where well, not necessarily saying, write this, write that. It's exactly. More, I mean, I, hmm. I personally don't think that there was... I mean, solely because he is a very busy man, 
I don't think he <laughs> really would have had on the global scale that he is the time to be dictating these small little points of policy here and there. Um, as with other media groups, I'm sure he gave a line, mm. but I really can't imagine that it was as widespread as some people are saying. If we just move to other stories in the news um, this week, um, most notably on Wednesday, there's going to be a public sector strike against proposed pension reforms. Um, I was just wondering, what do you make of that? Do you think they have a point or do you think they're just needlessly disrupting people's lives? Cause obviously here at university, lectures are being cancelled. People aren't going to be able to get here because buses won't be running, tubes won't be running. What do you think? My overwhelming feeling about Wednesday is whether or not um, I'm going to be in favour or against it um, is that people just don't seem to understand. I keep overhearing people in and around university, in and around London as a whole, um, saying, I know something's going on on Wednesday. Uh, apparently tubes and stuff are going to be down or different things like that. I don't even know what's going on. I, I heard two of my lecturers talking about I don't even know if I should support it because I don't really know how far reaching it is. I thought it was just transports and then other people saying it's university based. And, uh, and surely that's really bad then for the union's cause if they're trying to say, look, we need to, I'm sorry for the disruption, but we need to do this because of these certainly. reasons. If the only thing people are seeing is the fact that they're not going to get to work, they're not going to support it. Well, exactly. If they're seen, they need to get the public on side. Um, that's the point. And there's there's very little point in striking unless if you're going to infuriate a lot of people um, you really need to get the message across um, I don't know whether there's now enough time to do that but who knows whether there'll be I'm sure there'll be a big surge of news stories over the next two days well as we speak at the moment just to go back slightly a bit um, Charlotte Church is speaking at the Leveson Inquiry just down the road at the Royal Courts of Justice and one of the things that earlier in the week um, Jules Stenson the former features editor on the News of the World was on uh, Richard Bacon's Five Live programme and he was saying that it was just an endless stream of darlings of Hello Magazine people like Hugh Grant, people like Steve Coogan in fact that was what Eleanor Mills said she said one of the people that infuri infuriated her most was Steve Coogan by saying Yes, I can write a biography, I can invade my own personal pri um, privacy, I can sell my story, but the moment you try and do that, that's when I'm going to come down hard on you. Do you think that this is too much, it's just too much celebrity, it's just too much people who are courting the press and are having a bit of a moan about it, and not enough cases like the Dowlers, the McCanns, who have genuinely been affected by this? Um, I think it's difficult to say that it's only people like the McCanns and the Dowlers that have been, been so badly affected by this, and... I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I think there is a middle point to take on on all of this. Um, in that, actually, sure, these people do court the press, and um, I'm sure their PR sort of stunts that they go about doing um, have only exacerbated matters. But I I still don't feel that they're uh, they're totally to blame in this. And I do feel that even if you're trying to make a career in the public eye, that shouldn't mean that you're intimidated. Um, and actually, mm. I thought what we heard from Sienna Miller last week was really quite shocking. Um, and the one where she was saying she's being chased down the street. Yeah, and she was people, only 21 yeah. at the time, and I'm sort of 21, and thinking if I were out on my own mm. in London late at night, and the cameras or not, that, that would be horrible. Mm. Um, whether or not she's trying to forge a career as an actress, um, I think there is something to be said. If you want to be in a career like that, you're going to have to be prepared for a certain level of intrusion. But there is a, there is a line to be towed by these kind of journalists. But is there not... Um, Ken Livingston, who's just his memoirs have come out this week, so he's been going around doing the press and things like that. So you're seeing him all over the place. One of the things he was saying is that um, 
he thought his phone he knew his phone was being hacked from the moment he came into public life he said that sometimes when he put the receiver down on a landline and picked it back up to make a call he could hear through the line someone playing back his conversation on a tape recorder rewinding to the back of a tape surely there's a point where you're in public life this is just one of the things you have to accept don't leave phone messages is one of the things that they can possibly <laughs> take from this yeah i'm beginning to think that way uh not that i'm sure anyone's gonna be interested in my phone messages but um i think there's um there's a good point that's been made by a few people in terms of what's in the public interest um and with some politicians uh really high profile politicians the argument can be made that a lot of their life is in the public interest mm. um at what point that line gets drawn, I'm not quite sure. I mean, do we need to know about Ken Livingston's private life? Well, maybe we do need to know about his finances. Um, maybe people want to know that their politicians live by the same kind of rules that they're um, trying to promote to the general populace of the UK. But do we really need to know the ins and outs of everyone's life? Does it need to be published in some magazine if it's really trivial? Is that in the public interest? It's and I think, I think that's what would be really good to come out of the Leveson inquiry what exactly is in the public interest Freya Pascal thank you very much no problem before we go this week's headlines the OECD has warned that the eurozone and the UK could be entering a recession and has cut its global growth forecast the OECD says the eurozone would shrink in the first quarter by 1% and by 0.4% in the first quarter of 2012 the singer Charlotte Church has told how her mother's mental health suffered when the News of the World published a story exposing her father's affair. She told the Leveson Inquiry into Media Ethics that her mother had attempted suicide, at least in part because she had known the story was coming out. Syria's security forces have committed systematic crimes against humanity in their crackdown on anti-government protesters, a UN report has said. The study by an independent panel says civilians, including children, have been murdered, tortured and sexually assaulted. At a news conference, the Syrian Foreign Minister, Walid al-Mualem, described the League's move on Sunday as a declaration of economic war on Damascus and said that the country had already withdrawn 95% of its assets from Arab countries. The Education Secretary, Michael Gove, has criticised union hardliners as itching for a fight ahead on Wednesdays of Wednesday's public sector strikes. In a speech at a think tank policy exchange, Mr Gove warned that 90% of England's schools would be closing because of striking teachers and appealed for them to think again. That's all from us. We'll be back in a fortnight.